it. Welcome to Strata Stories. My name is Thomas Schreiber, and I'm the director of marketing here at Strata. Strata is a single EMR platform and revenue cycle management service for physical, occupational, and speech therapy practices that helps you achieve a 99.99% reimbursement rate. On today's episode, Paul Singh, the CEO of Strata, talks with Jimmy McKay, a physical therapist and the founder of PT Pinecast. PT Pinecast is an awesome media company helping PTs grow their therapy knowledge. Paul and Jimmy talk through why most practice owners skip to how instead of why, how to find and communicate with your target audience, and why you must understand the game of attention in order to market your clinic. If you'd like to learn more about Strata and see how our EMR and RCM works, head over to stratapt.com to book a demo. Now, without further delay, here's today's episode. I learned communications from Franciscan friars. I went to a Franciscan university, right? So they were in the front of the room with their brown robe and the rope around their waist. And they always just talked like Yoda or Buddha. I don't know when they learned how to talk so great, but I'm still 20 something years later remembering Brother Basil. Two things. He stood in front of the room and said, what is the goal of public relations? And a bunch of budding communication pros are now going to impress the professor. And I was smart enough to know what Admiral Akbar said. This is a trap. Okay. So they're firing their answers. And once he's done, he said, silly children, the answer's in the question. The goal of public relations is to build a relationship with the public. Pause for dramatic effect. When you understand that as the goal, the goalpost moves closer. It is not to get a sale. It is not to make someone else make a decision. You can't unless you're a pusher. I'm not a pusher. You move the goalpost closer. This is not saying that once you achieve understanding or once you build a relationship, it does not then also lead to a sale or them coming to your business, right? So that's the one from Brother Basil. The goal of public relations is building a relationship with your public. Now you might think, well, I don't do public relations. I'm a PT clinic. I don't have a PR person. Yes, you do. You are doing public relations right now. You are either doing it well or poorly, but you are doing it. If you're not available on search in your local area, you are doing public relations poorly. If you are not doing something, you are atrophying. So this is where I put in PT terms, strengthening, atrophying, there is no staying the same. One or the other, that's physiology, right? Second big lesson from Brother Basil. There's only six questions you can ask. That's it. He said it a little more succinctly. Brother Basil, the robe, the rope, sounds like Buddha. How many questions are there? Students, and of course, infinity and this, and they're trying to impress. I saw it again. This is a trap. Shut your mouth. He said, there's only six. Who, what, where, when, why, and how. Now you can answer those infinite variety, right? I ask seven, and this is where the slide comes in. There's a right order and a wrong order, in my opinion. And you highlighted this a second ago, Paul. People skip to step five in my seven steps. First, the fifth question you should ask in order is how. Webinar, ads, social, email, what is it? That's how. Oh, young Padawan, we have not gotten to how yet. First, I need to, and here's the order, who? Who are you talking to? Because I talk to my best friend differently than I talk to my grandma, differently. I talk to them differently. They have different relationship with me, different interests, right? It's, it's a funny example. Ha ha ha, grandma and your best friend. I use different words. I use a lot of four-letter words with my best friend. Not so many four-letter words with my grandma, right? Doesn't land well. So who is first? Because everything after who changes the answers of the other six questions. So who is first? 
I then ask the question, what? What are their problems? I call them bads and goods. What are your hopes and dreams and aspirations? You ask the practice owner, what's your goal, man? What do you want to become? Tuition, vacations, valid. Great. I write those down. Bads and goods. Ironically, they're super easy to write. You could just write one list of goods and then flip them and those are bads. Or you could write the list of bads and flip them and those are goods. So that's a cheat code, right? Yeah, yeah. I then ask the question of you as the practice owner, if we're talking about the who is your audience and you as the practice owner, tell me about you. What are you good at? What do you like to do? What do you poise in your community? What are the things that you bring along that might help someone that you just talked about go from bad to good, right? And I lay those down in two lists next to each other. And my favorite type of diagram is a Venn diagram because then I just draw two circles and I go, which ones of these cross over and which ones don't? For example, if a problem of your audience is they have a clogged toilet and you don't unclog toilets, that's not gonna go in the middle of your Venn diagram. Put everything that crosses over in the middle of that Venn diagram. So you've just asked who, what are they looking to do, bads and goods? What are you equipped to do? And where those things cross? My friends, that is your shared why. Simon Sinek has made a whole career on start with why. I don't disagree with Mr. Sinek, but I do. I think why is the fourth thing you get to. Once you figure out who, what, what, and why, it's process then. It's how, where, and when. Now you can say, okay, so you're the reason, the why between you and your intended audience is you want to get players off the bench and back on the mound. Yeah. That's better than I do physical therapy, ain't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you do physical therapy is about you, the practitioner. Me going from the bench to a D1 scholarship, which might be a little bit, like I wouldn't sell that way, but I'd say the bench to the mound, right? There's your why. That's your statement. How are you going to communicate that? Words, pictures, sounds, videos. Mm -hmm. That's when you can hire a person to run through the process. I don't know. Hire an email person. Say that. Marketing is saying the same thing a thousand different ways. Great. Go market that now because people skip to, especially PT, skip to step five without a plan. You don't know why you're emailing someone. Don't email them. You don't know why you're doing a webinar. Don't do it. You don't know why you're posting on social. Don't do it. They don't do the work. Mm -hmm. People want bigger biceps. They don't do pull-ups. Sorry, man. That ain't the way it works. So you can hire me. I'll do the pull-ups. I'll get the biceps. And as soon as you stop paying me, no more biceps. Or you could hire someone to teach you. You have Google and ChatGPT. You can't learn this. This isn't a process problem. This is a you not wanting to do the work problem. Sorry. If you had the unlimited time, the budget, and the effort and the ability what is that starter template, starter pack that you would install with every practice? Provided, obviously, that the owners are ready or bought in and are thinking about marketing as the core of their practice. What does that initial stack look like? Yeah, I think it's those seven questions. I'm a lecture I give, and I give this to PT schools all over the country because most of the time we're very, very good at anatomy, physiology, biophysics, all those things. But to quote Roosevelt, which is the worst cliche we've copy-pasted since Roosevelt said it, which was people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. That's a lie. People care. Do you understand what my problem is? And can you help me solve it? I am egocentric, but spoiler, so are you. And that's good. Ego keeps us alive. It keeps a roof over our head. So I don't care how much you as a PT in three years or two years with some of the hybrid programs learn about how to help me. If I can't understand it, it doesn't really matter. If you're bad at describing, why do most patients not complete a plan of care. Somebody just came out with like a brand new like report. Most only get to so many visits and plan of care. I bet you it's because they don't understand what they're doing and why they're doing it. That's where I agree with Cynic. Make sure you understand the why. 
right? So start with why isn't about where to start. It's about where they want to start. That's where you two cross is that why segment. So decide, is this something you want to do yourself as a practice owner? Are you going to hire someone on your team? Are you going to have someone? This is a job that needs to be done. And I would say the fastest way to figure out if you're doing it or not, marketing, communication, being responsible. Who gets in trouble if this fails? And when people start saying, well, it's probably, nope, you lose. It needs to be someone's responsibility. Who gets in trouble if Paul shows up for his appointment at Jimmy's clinic and no one's there to check him in? Steve, Steve's front desk, dude. Cool, ownership. So locked expectations. You are here because you are the face. Communications also often falls to the youngest person at a clinic because, well, they're on the socials a lot. It happens to be, I see this a lot at clinics and at large organizations, APTA organizations. We have the younger ones. Okay, cool. So you have the people who have been in the profession the shortest amount of time who are students or new grads. So they're overwhelmed cognitively learning and financially, they're just trying to make sure they pay their loans. They're responsible for speaking for your organization ad nauseum. When I put it like that, like, well, I guess maybe that isn't the best person to do it. So we'll give it to the CEO. I got news for you. The CEO can be part of it, but if it's their responsibility only, that's why we have CMOs. Yeah. The first thing I would say, who's responsible for doing this? Who's responsible if it goes wrong? Who's responsible for checking in? What are the KPIs? So take any part of your business out and what you'd ask then, that's what I would change for communications and marketing. Yeah. What could the template look like? It would be an intro to communications course. I've noticed in your social feeds that you're speaking at colleges and stuff like that. Based on your read of like the next five or 10 years or whatever, so some percentage of these students are going to go on to become practice owners. Do you think that that next generation of practitioners is going to embrace marketing and media more? I'm so excited because, yes, because this is the world that they were born into. I'm 43 years old. There was no social media when I was in college, right? So people use it as a negative. Kids over here making the TikToks. These old TikToks. Why are they doing the TikToks? Like a negative. And what I see is children, eight, nine years old, maybe younger, communicating with brevity. Getting a laugh, right? Because there's only two things you can do with content. Said it again. Educator and form, or if you can do it both. I see an entire generation who only knows if your video is nine minutes and the first 10 seconds suck, I have choices. Dude, I had channel two, four, seven, and PBS. Why was Flintstones the number one show? Because it was on every 20 minutes. I think the next generation, will they embrace communication and marketing? No, it's baked into the cake. Yeah, right. They don't think of it as like a bolt-on. They do not understand a world without it. So I am very optimistic. That's why I picked up the microphone. I wanted to really state that. (laughs) I agree too. I mean, it's like when we think about what we do at Strata and our own marketing strategy, what I did in my previous businesses, I always told people like, look, it's really simple. We're a media company that happens to do what we do. What does that mean? I'm like, we're not a tech company with a Twitter intern or a TikTok intern. I use this example and I didn't come up with it, but the minute I saw it, I was like, holy crap. It was one of those moments where it like, I felt like the matrix, right? Like whoosh, it pulled me out of my body. And I was like, Red Bull is not an energy drink company. And I was like, have you heard this one before, this case study? You must have, right? I have, but it's better if you say, I've heard this. Yes, but I know where you're going with it. Good, but I'm on four espressos. So let's keep going. So Red Bull is not an energy drink company. 
They are a media company. Their commodity is attention. So Red Bull pays a million dollars to put a guy in an air balloon and send it up to space. He jumps with wings and da, da, da. And four billion people go, this is great. This is stupid. This is ridiculous. And Red Bull just goes, we win. We win because everybody reported on it that day. They understand that their commodity is attention. And they win because when you think energy drink, you think of Red Bull before the next 40 competitors because they don't have someone jumping out of space. Now, if they only did that, if jumping out of space with a Red Bull logo was a one-off stunt and they were a energy drink who tried to pay for that, it wouldn't work because it's not baked into the cake. A brilliant move early in Red Bull. I love stealing ideas. I, in fact, they're all recycled, guys. Let's be honest here. It's just old ideas and new ways and new ideas and old ways. Red Bull was at some festival when they first launched and it was hard to get traction. I don't know who you are. Why am I going to put you in my body? It's a hard, just give it away for free. Well, that devalues your commodity. This is brilliant in my opinion. Their marketing team went all around the festival and put empty cans of Red Bull in the garbage because that says other people already drank it. That's an attention thing. But no, if you have the budget, this a marketing officer would say, buy a billboard. Yes, and because in the garbage touches at an emotional level, because we all, as unique as snowflakes as we want to be, we sort of want to fit in and we want to know what's cool and what's hip. What are people I want to be like doing? Red Bull understands the assignment. They really do. That right there is the thing that is probably the most powerful idea that nobody really grasps. And it, it's not just limited to healthcare, but everywhere. Somebody asked me the other day, like, what is this strategy at Strata, 500, all these things? Why, what is this strategy? And I kind of say to them, I'm like, look, here's the deal. I'm going to have to spend the money anyway. One way or the other, I have to spend the money to drive awareness. The question is, is where do I think is the most fun and highest yield on that money? So as an example, just for anybody listening, like, here's your choices. Let's say you've got 10 grand a month to burn, 100 grand. This applies to any amount of budget, $100 million to burn, whatever it is. Your choices are to either go head to head with some other competitor, where you're probably buying the same ad space, buying the same whatever, and you're driving each other's costs up. It's a war of attrition. Or you take the same budget that you were going to spend anyway, and you spend it in a uniquely interesting, fun way. And as long as you've got all the low-hanging fruit covered, attribution, lead capture, all that stuff, it all works. And so, for example, I don't mean to put Thomas or our marketing team on blast here, but here's the deal. Common healthcare technology logic, like our competitors and stuff. Okay, here's the marketing budget. Let's light it on fire with conferences and X and Y and Z. And then you end up at the same conference with four of your competitors and all that stuff. And everybody's seeing who's got the biggest booth and all that. Is that good or bad? I'm not here to argue that. I'm just saying that like, that's like four other people fighting and I'm just going to like go the other way and spend all the money on this with you. Can I give you two real world examples? One outside of physical therapy, oh, three examples, one from a movie, one outside of physical therapy, one inside of physical therapy. The movie is A Beautiful Mind. And the scene is when he's figuring out how to get the blonde. He's like, we don't compete with each other, right? So you can watch that. You've seen that. It's like, okay, he's figuring out the game. First of all, it's a game for attention. That's number one. That's the movie version. The non-PT version is, I was a radio DJ and ran a radio station in Scranton, Pennsylvania. The big thing going on in Scranton, Pennsylvania in March is the St. Patrick's Day Parade. The entire area, the area code shuts down for the St. Patrick's Day Parade. Every year we sat in a room 
in my radio station company. There's four radio stations in a building. And we pitched every year to the GM what we were going to do for our float in the parade. Hey, Bill, I need 10 grand because I'm going to do this. You tell a story. It's a pitch deck. And then Bill sits down and goes, I have a pot that now you earned this percentage, this percentage, this percentage. And our competitors across the street were doing the same thing. Every year, we would outdo and outspend each other. It was a cold war. It was a race to the bottom. My fourth year there, after watching A Beautiful Mind, I positioned myself in the room last. I pitched to my general manager last. And Bill said, all right, Jimmy, what's your pitch this year? And I said, Bill, I want 10 grand. He goes, okay, and ready to take notes? What are you going to do with that? And I said, nothing. I don't think you understand how this game works. And I said, right, I'm not going to play your game. I'm not going to do anything in the Scranton St. Patrick's Day Parade. I'm going to spend my 10 grand in April, May, and June, because why do I want to yell when everybody else is screaming? No one's going to notice that my float isn't in the parade. In radio, we'd say, you don't get beat by the song you don't play. Play a crappy new song, people turn you off, you do not exist. Play the Nickelback thing, right? And people understand, they'll stick around long enough. Again, I'm hammering on Nickelback a little bit. After Nickelback, you can come with a song that's a little bit further from the center. So anyway, in the radio example, I said, I'm not spending any money in March. I'm going to spend it April, May, June. I'm going to get more miles out of your money, Bill, than the other three numbnuts in the room. I went and we went with it and I won. I spent it on billboards when no one else is spending money on billboards. I spent it on promotions when no one else is doing it. Here's the PT example. You mentioned you saw my social feed that I go to PT schools. I do my podcast live, right? It's a live podcast. The show is all about the school, right? I tell schools exactly why I'm doing this. This is pulling back the curtain, but they know. I pitch to schools, I'm gonna come here and this episode is all about you. Live studio audience, you give me your students. You guys pick the four to five guests, faculty, alumni, students. I don't care. People you wanna build relationships with clinical partners. This is about you. Jimmy, how much does it cost? Zero dollars. You give me your students' attention for one hour. By the way, I'm going to get someone else to pay for a happy hour after the event off campus, off campus, because we're not bringing beers and apps on campus. I just built a Trojan horse. Watch. I then turn to an organization like Strata and I go, hey, you want to recruit PTs or get PT students attention? Here's how schools do it. One day a year, you come into a room, you are one of 20 different schools. You're all given an eight-foot table. You can give out pens and squishy balls. Mm -hmm. And you can stand there in front of your pop-up banner and make a pitch. You are one of 20. I tell organizations, do you want to be one of 20 or one of one? Because I just got permission to come on campus and have one-on-one -on -one attention with schools for an hour because I made it about them. You can have your, I'll wear your logoed shirt, whatever. I'll put one of your people on as a guest. Can't talk about your product or service. You can talk about the value of mentoring. You can talk about the advantage of doing an OCS or a residency. You can do that. By the way, company who I'm wearing your logo, your credit card's at the bar and you're paying for food and drinks and you should have every one of your recruiters there or even better, fly in a bunch of your PTs to talk PT with PT students. Yeah. And you have a one of one opportunity to build relationships. You just said, I feel like I get smarter after a couple bourbons. The best conversations happen at happy hour. Welcome to ours. So we're off campus. Rules don't apply. And everybody in this equation knows. Everybody is like, I feel like this was designed for me. The school's like, this is great. You're going to do a giant video and podcast to tell everybody how great we are. What's the school's pain point? We want better applications because we're competing with the same thing as everybody else. This is free. What do I have to do? An hour of attention. I'll bring the microphone. Don't worry about it. 
the company, trust me, they know what it costs to get in front of a hundred PT students. And they're like three grand for flying people in a couple hotel rooms and a budget and a bar tab. Sign me up. Why does Jimmy do it? Jimmy's in the attention business and I just crushed it. And oh yeah. And that company's paying me to come along and ride. I'm not an idiot, right? Cause it has value. You're preaching to the choir. I think more people should do this. Here's the thing. Like I got young kids and the kids are starting to get into, you know, kiddie sports and stuff like that. As a dad, I try to enjoy everything. I love my kids and stuff like that. But I'm a weirdo. I'm a capitalist, whatever. And every time I look at these like jerseys and I see these like six logos on the back, including like sometimes a, a local PT practice, they just phoned it in. I'll just give you an example. Maybe this is just my little like little league right here in Virginia. You've got these logos that are on this thing and these companies are paying anywhere from like $500 to $2,500 per two months, three months, whatever for these logos. And that's cool. I guess they drove awareness. That's fine. But they like totally missed the opportunity to maybe, I don't know, activate the parents. And I'm making this up, right? On the kids' soccer jerseys right now, there's a local PT practice that has like the banner on the back, like the top logo. And I know that it costs like four grand because I secret shopped the Little League to, <laughs> to figure it out, right? So they spent four grand. All right. So now when I get to the games, which, and again, we're talking about four-year-olds. We're not talking about like, you know, messy or anybody like that. We're talking about four-year-olds, little drunk people. You get to these little games. What are the parents doing? We're all sitting there. We got our like, you know, our drinks and our Yetis and hanging out. But these companies, they're not hanging out at the practices. They're not hanging out at the games. They're not offering to do like the kitty events and the trophy ceremonies at their office. They're missing the entire activation piece of this. Somebody over there, back to like, you mentioned something a few minutes ago about like who's accountable or whatever. Somebody at that organization feels really good that they spent money and they looked at their boss and said, yeah, I got the logos in the back of the little league. What they really should be measured on is probably, I don't know, foot traffic or something in the office. That's the thing is they're measured on it's done. That person did marketing. They're done. Missing the whole point. That's not the point. Yeah. Right. The point is to build a relationship. Yeah. Right. So you had a lot of opportunity. You use the example of Red Bull, which I think is really good. Another good example, I think, is SpaceX. Whether you love Elon Musk or hate him, the fact is, is that one very simple thing that they've done that NASA or Boeing or any of these other shuttle companies or rocket companies could have done is they live stream every event, every launch, every recovery, even the bad stuff. And then it goes right back on their YouTube. The point is, is that like that library gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And now my kids, my like two-year-old, he doesn't want to watch Coco Melon. He wants to watch the Black Rocket. Wow. Which is like the big boy rocket that they're working on now. Like that's what he wants to watch. Is SpaceX going to attribute my two-year-old to like some new customer? Absolutely not. But this is the other part that I think you would agree with on this. If you look at how we've structured our organization and how I've structured my other ones, and I suspect how you would advise anybody to structure theirs is marketing has to have the right North Star metric, and it cannot be doing something. In our case, for example, the North Star metric for Thomas's organization at the top is impressions across the platforms how many eyeballs we got. And at the bottom of his funnel is simply people that want to learn more. They fill out a form and says, I'd love to learn more. They may not even want to buy anything, but that's it. And then separately over there, like sales is responsible for their numbers, right? The point here is, is that marketing is not responsible for sales and sales not responsible for marketing. Most people don't think about it this way, but when I go on to talk about this, they understand what happens if you don't do it this way. If sales owns marketing, 
then what ends up happening is, is every email is a discount. Every piece of content is about the price. Everything's about conversion. There's a promotion that ends at the end of November. Please sign up now. And on the flip side, if sales is under marketing, which I've actually never seen happen, but if sales is under marketing, then everything's kind of like, hey, man, like we're just talking, talking, talking. There's no ever. But I, the right scenario here is, is to like have them side by side and set the right metrics. And I think, let me just go one step further and see if you agree or disagree. I think in the context of a local practice, like a local healthcare practice, doesn't matter, OTPT, one location, 50 locations, doesn't matter. You don't really have a sales team. Somebody, your clinic director, whoever is responsible for the number of new patients and the number of returning patients, which I bet is actually not a metric anybody looks at, but they should. And whoever does your marketing probably should have a very similar funnel, which is at the top, how many impressions or how many eyeballs did we get across all the tactics that we've agreed to spend money or effort on? And at the bottom of the marketing funnel is the number of phone calls our practice got and the number of form submissions on the website that the practice got. That could be the starting point. What do you think? Yeah, no like trust. I'm not married, but here's how it works, right? You meet a girl on an app, you swipe, you connect, and then you go to a coffee shop and then you ask her to marry, right? That's how it works. Oh, it's not how it works. That's right. So you meet someone, you go on a movie, you go back and forth, yada, yada. And then eventually, if you build a relationship, then you close. Because if marketing's responsibility is sales and not understanding, that's why I'm very acutely always using that word. Goal is to achieve understanding. The goal of communication is to achieve understanding. I make suggestions, you make decisions. Inception. The goal is to put an idea in there so that they thought it's their own. If Thomas's goal is sales, he will then change his tactics to hit his goals because he's a smart person, except that shouldn't be his goals. His goal should be achieve understanding. And if you have a good product and I understand it, then I, I either make the decision to buy or not buy or use or not use or wear or not wear. But I like that decision because it's mine. You aren't going to take money. Out of my no, who likes to be sold to? Nobody does, right? That's the key. That's the next thing there to just mention really briefly. I just realized we're, I want to be respectful of your time, but just one other thing to mention on this is that if you were to just imagine this whiteboard and you think about drawing a line that represents time, the thing is, is that even the most sophisticated healthcare practice owners right now, the most sophisticated of them right now at best are still only marketing to the patient that is right there at the point of need. Do you know what I'm saying? Like they're, oh, I, I'm running Google ads, $500 of Google ads for like searches and stuff like that. Great. Is it working? It probably should be if your pay-per-click people aren't stupid. But what they're not doing is, is doing very simple tactics like retargeting, remarketing, email marketing, email capture. That's where the fancy is, right? But that comes second. The question is, if you're like, hey, we're going to do a retargeting campaign to a PT and they're like, great, this sounds like a shiny object. What should I do? I'm not saying don't do that. I'm saying, what are you saying? was working with a client a couple of months ago and like, we have 70,000 people on our email list. We need to send an email. And I said, great, why? We need them to rebook appointment. I'm like, no, 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 no. Why should they care about opening your message first? Their decision to come back is going to be theirs. I'm not saying the content can't show off, show, not tell. Don't tell me to come to your clinic. I don't want, who the hell are you talking to? But if you show me a reason right now, then it's my decision. Jerry will love this. Fuck you. I won't do what you told me. Like, that's rage, man. So work with that. Show me, and maybe you got a shot, but tell me.
Thanks for listening to another episode of Strata Stories. Strata is a single EMR platform and revenue cycle management service for physical, occupational, and speech therapy practices that helps you achieve a 99.99% reimbursement rate. If you'd like to learn more about Strata and see how our EMR and RCM works, head over to stratapt.com to book a demo.